few weeks ago, I got a package in the mail from one of my friends, Mark Roser. It was trademarked Laughing Birds, which of course I found charming, and contained two small bags of sunflower hearts, peanuts, and tree nuts, a macrame hanger and little clay dish, a pair of cotton gloves, and Mark's guidebook to interactive bird feeding. I instantly seized upon that phrase, interactive bird feeding, because that's pretty much what I do. And the heading on the back cover read, travel to the depths of your own backyard and uncover what has been there all along. Yep, this sounded like it would be right up my alley. But I was also a little skeptical. On Facebook, when I see a photo of a wonderful bird, especially a beautiful hummingbird or tiny songbird, I try not to look at the comments because invariably some people will type WANT in capital letters, and they don't mean they want to see one for their life list or to photograph it. They mean they want that beautiful thing for a pet, as if we humans could possibly actually own a wild creature any more than we could own the sun or the moon or the stars. Wild creatures belong to themselves. Fortunately, the book laid my fears to rest. Mark starts by explaining three kinds of bird feeding, which he calls primary, specialty, and interactive. Those of us with feeding stations understand primary and specialty feeders, the ones we fill and go inside to watch. Chickadees, redpolls, and a few other species may learn to associate us with filling the feeders and may approach while we're right there. Some of them also start coming to our hands, but most of the birds who come to feeding stations wait until they can't see us. Those specialty feeders are the ones designed to appeal to specific types of birds. Niger attracts finches, suet attracts woodpeckers and nuthatches, and white millet attracts doves and juncos. Some of these birds watch for us to fill those feeders, especially those chickadees and redpolls, but this isn't interactive either. Interactive feeders offer only small amounts of the most enticing foods, peanuts and nut meats, sunflower hearts, and expensive items like that. By limiting the amount and offering it only while we're nearby, some birds readily learn to accept our presence. Mark explains how to offer special foods in the little clay dish and get the birds used to our presence. Soon we can hold the dish in our hands and little birds will come right to it. The next step is to hold the seed in our hand and let the birds come to our hand. That's where the cotton gloves enter. Our hands and birds' feet all bear germs, and this offers a bit of protection on both sides. The box about safety in his quick start guide encourages people to invite children, people with disabilities, people in senior centers, and people isolated from others to learn how to do this too. But he writes, please be sure that you make the safety measures 100% clear. The approaches described in this book put birds in a very vulnerable position and should not be taught to anyone who does not have a sincere desire 
desire and ability to safely care for birds. Mark continues, if you do not feel that the person can keep the birds safe, then please don't hold the sharing cup or hand feed that day. You can watch closely with the birds nearby, but without contact. I particularly like Mark Roser's recognition that birds are their own selves. His interactive guide shows step-by-step step how to get your backyard birds comfortable coming closer to you, but also explains that some birds are reluctant to come too close, such as bluebirds and cardinals, and why we should not try to break that barrier. Mark writes about the importance of only offering as much food as birds can finish fairly quickly so it doesn't spoil. But a guidebook to interactive feeding does not talk about one serious issue that develops as winter merges into spring when warm temperatures hasten the decay process of spilled seeds and seed shells. The bazillions of red poles people have been exulting in this winter feed on the ground, maintaining little personal distance from one another. We must keep those seeds raked and discarded to protect these birds. Sadly, if we see any sick red poles, house finches, or other birds, it's imperative to close down our feeding station until the flocks disperse. Ironically, Mark's system of interactive bird feeding can continue full on even if we've had to shut down most of our feeders, as long as we aren't inviting any sick birds to be eating where we're inviting healthy birds. Feeding birds is a good thing, until it isn't. We may not be rocket scientists, but we should be able to use our human instincts to protect our backyard birds. Mark Roser's Guide to Interactive Bird Feeding, available via laughingbirds.com, is an excellent approach to growing more aware of and more deeply enjoying and caring for our backyard birds. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.